You're the coolest. No, you're the coolest. No, you're the coolest. No, you're the coolest. Okay, I'm the coolest. I am Pastor Floyd Hughes from Crossroads Community Church of Jefferson Hills, and with me as always is Pastor Mark Berkshire with Meadow Run Community Church in Ohio Powell, Pennsylvania. And normally we start with what are we preaching on uh, this coming Sunday, so we're going to just roll right into that, but then I have something else I wanted to really throw out there before we dig into the podcast. So uh, Mark, what are you preaching on this Sunday? Sunday, I'm preaching on 1 Peter chapter 5, turning worry into worship. Um, God commands us to not worry, but how do we not worry? And Peter tells us how to do that, how we can turn our worry into worship. And uh, we were talking about this beforehand. This is kind of like a touches on the whole mental health series that you did, which was four weeks. Yeah, um, four weeks you in January. Yeah, if you haven't heard that series, uh, go to the Meadow Run Community Church Facebook page. Uh, it should still be up there. You can check out the live stream. Definitely, if you know of anyone who's struggling with mental health uh, or challenges, or if you're just learning, you know, how or want to learn how the church can be an advocate for people who are struggling with mental health. Um, definitely a great series, uh, short series, four sermons uh, that you can like go and listen to and be encouraged. Yeah. And actually the sermon I'm preaching this Sunday, the fourth sermon in that series, we had to cut short because we didn't have heat in that church. So this is actually going to take place of that fourth in that series oh that is good then so people will be able to uh pick right up yeah and i'm actually we're starting a new series on the book of nahum uh one of the minor prophets every now and then we'll come back and go through one of the minor prophets um and i know a lot of pastors don't preach on the old testament uh shame on them <laughs> uh but um it's it's really a it it helps tie a lot of the Bible together. Uh, it also helps kind of reveal a little bit more about God's concept of judgment of nations that are disobedient to Him. Uh, and it's actually he's Nahum is talking about God's judgment on Nineveh, uh, which again ties into the Book of Jonah that many people are familiar with. So. Uh, I love how a lot of the Old Testament, uh, even though people don't like to read it because it's confusing, but if you read it and understand it, it ties the whole Bible together. So, um, And it yeah. gives us a good idea of what's going on now yeah. in our time. So. Yeah, I'm actually going to tie it to a lot of what we're seeing happening today because God still looks at his judgment is still the same. Mm-hmm. But also, uh, before we jump into the podcast, I wanted to talk about um, the book that Mark and I put out. It's called Faith Responders Presents 21 Days of Spiritual Renewal. Uh, the whole concept of the book is so that someone can spend two to three minutes a day uh, with God and this devotional. And then in 21 days, 
the time it traditionally takes to break a habit, they can be on the path to spiritual renewal. Because there are a lot of people that are struggling in their faith, uh, especially these days. Uh, and this is a very short read. I mean, each 21, each chapter, say chapter, reading for each day uh, throughout the 21 days, some are a page, some are a page and a half, some are a little less than a page. So it's not, you know, like you got to spend 20 minutes a day digging into it. Uh, it's two to three minutes, really just not even that, uh, dissecting and digging into what God's word says to help people renew their faith, encourage their faith, strengthen their faith. Uh, 21 Days Spiritual Renewal, it's available on Amazon. You can get it in ebook format. You can get it in printed format. Uh, and if you can afford it, I don't remember how much it is. I think it's like $5.99 or $7.99. It's inexpensive. Uh, contact one of us and we will we will get you a copy. Uh, I'd rather see people being able to step into uh, a closer walk with God than someone saying, well, I don't have $7 to spare, so I just can't do that. Yeah. So uh, as we kick into this week's episode of the podcast, uh, we're talking about how do Christians respond to what's happening in our government and uh, the way our government is kind of floundering in global relations. We've seen multiple bank failures. We have immigration crisis. We have crime in cities, plural, around our nation, both Democratic and Republican cities, all seeing violence and increase in crime, economic chaos, families losing their businesses. Um, and we're talking about how, how are Christians supposed to respond to that? And this is not a political topic. Uh, because this is not something that Democrats or Republicans can fix. This is not either one of us going to encourage you to uh, uh, vote for a local politician that can fix this, because this is beyond man's capability to fix, which is why we're talking about it here. And um, I don't know, what do you want to hit up first, Mark? Which which you want, the government? Should we talk about bank failures, immigration crisis, crime? I mean, the sky's the limit here. There's so much going wrong. Yeah. There, there is so much, so much that is um, that we're facing, um, and it's hard to pick what one topic we should start with um, because I see this as a multi-podcast topic. This isn't just going to be something we're going to discuss today and be done with. Um, I mean, we, we are called faith responders, so we need to respond to some of these things. I, I, maybe the first thing we need to respond to, even though it's not affecting us here in our area as much, but the immigration crisis that's going on. Um, we just, um, just, what is it? Um, one that just released code 42 or section oh yeah that law that just uh, the law, expired yeah, expired and that is bringing a lot of people across the border it's not affecting us directly as of yet it will eventually affect us as well um what is what is what should our response be to illegal immigration i'm all for immigration 
I think it's great if somebody wants to come and live here and be a part of our society, be a part of our cultures, and it embraces our customs and our laws and our, our freedom. What I am against is the illegal immigration that is taking place. So before you go on, let me, let me, I'm going to clarify this because I know that there are some people that are listening to this and they're already, their minds based on their political perspective is already moving towards whatever their political perspective is. And this yeah. is not again, cause I I'm, I'm, I'm 100%. I, I I'm, I'm right there with you. I agree with immigration. We have an immigration process for people to come into our nation, regardless of where they're coming from. I'm all for that. I support that 100%. What we are talking about is illegal immigration, where that process isn't being followed, or it's being violated to allow even more people in without going through that process. And before anyone complains, this is, this is, this is the way I've, I've, I've worded it uh, when talking to people. You have a process for determining who you allow into your home. Now, whether it's looking through the peak hole, whether it's, hey, I'm not going to open the door until I see some ID or whatever that process is, it would not be fair for people to kick down your door, violate that process and just come take up residence in your home. And then as they do not abide by whatever laws, rules or whatever you have in your home. So uh, we're not talking about not letting people in. Okay, this is about people coming in illegally that's a problem that that's what we're talking about and yeah because all through the bible especially all through the new testament um we're told to be hospitable people hospitable people especially in first peter if you're looking i'm uh, we're finishing up on a series in first peter first peter uh i think it's four Towards the middle of the, the passage in chap- or the middle of the chapter, it talks about one of the things that we are to be is hospitable, be a hosp- uh, uh, be someone of hospitality. That means the word there in Greek is means to um, love strangers, to welcome strangers, to be a part of their lives. So it, it sounds like contradiction when we're talking about we don't want illegal uh, we're we're not for illegal aliens but we are still to love christian or love strangers and, and that's a hard a hard line to toe because we are to love them and we are to care about them if someone knocks at my door and they tell me that they need something, and I see the, the literal, authentic, genuine need in front of me. I'm going to do everything in my power to meet that need, whether it is to call a, lo- a local agency that can take care of them, whether it's to give them a meal. The first thing I'm going to do is probably give them a meal because they probably will need it. But I'm going to do everything to go out of my way to care for that person 
but that doesn't mean I still agree with the way that person is here. Yeah, and I I, I think there's a, a, a fine line and a distinction. I mean, you, you, you said it crystal clear that someone comes and knocks on your door. You get to determine what you're going to do to help them, whether it's, hey, I'm, I'm going to give you a meal or, hey, I see you have this need. I can meet it. Um, I just did, a, a, I think, two weeks ago, a podcast with uh, the moms from the Naps or Nothing podcast. We did a crossover episode with them. We'll probably do one again in the future sometime. But we had two additional moms from the church I used to attend in Virginia on, and they were talking about adopting and uh, fostering children. And one of the moms said, you know, every every person may not be able to foster or adopt, but when you're presented with that opportunity, you have the opportunity to decide, can I help by maybe just giving you a meal, uh, making some phone calls to see that you do have a place to stay, or taking that extra mile and taking you into my home to stay, whether it be short-term days or weeks or months or long-term, you're part of my family forever. But the thing is, they get to decide because it's their home. Uh, just like God gets to decide who comes into his kingdom, and, and each nation all over the world from the beginning of time has been able to decide who comes into their borders. We're a, a generous nation because we've created a process that says, yes, people can come in as long as they abide by these rules, and here's the process. Um, so um, I get really upset when I hear both sides, when I hear people saying that, oh, you Christians, you don't want people to come in. That's, that's not what we're saying. People are welcome to come in, abide by the process. God has processes. God has laws. We have laws. We have, you know, determine who can come in our homes. Uh, we as a nation have a set of rules. So that, that's fine. I also get upset when I do hear some of the Christians that say, yeah, no one should come in. Because that's not a thought process that comes from the kingdom of God. No, it's not biblical at all. Yeah, it's not. It's not at all. So um, we could beat this one to death, but um, yeah, um, I, I just feel like everything that you said kind of hit the nail on the head about letting people in and representing yes. the kingdom. Um, Again, I, 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 I should have said this at the beginning, and I didn't, but we need to preface this with the fact that none of this has caught God off guard. God knew it was happening. He knew it was going to happen. So for the church to get all been out of shape about all of this happening is just totally wrong. We shouldn't be surprised because of what's going on in our society today. True, but I think again, I feel like I should I should get this up. I am gonna buy us t-shirts to say this. I blame the pulpit because the pulpit, uh, a lot of pulpits are leaning politically and so they're they're trying to get people to respond from a political perspective, either of the left or the right, rather than from uh, a kingdom perspective, uh, yeah. for all these things. I mean, if, if everyone was responding from a kingdom perspective, we wouldn't have to do this podcast because right. most people would be aware because the, the, the pulpits would be preparing people and letting them know, hey, I know this is happening, but it's okay. As you said, God already knew this. 
And here's the correct Christian, God-honoring, Holy Spirit-filled, Bible-believing response that we as the people of God should have both to the government as they make good or bad decisions and both to the people that are either coming in the correct way and even to the ones that are coming in incorrectly. Yeah. Uh, we should still have a God-honoring response to that. Right. And, 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 and that kind of flows right into the government. Okay. One thing that really bugs me the most about a lot of churches, uh, I'm trying to be nice. Um, we are to pray for the people in our government, the leaders of our country, the leaders of our states, the leaders of our communities, the mayors, the, the, or the um, councilmen, everyone. We are to be praying for them daily. And whether we agree with them, whether we despise them, whether we um, think they're out to lunch, it doesn't matter. We are still called by God to pray for the leaders of our country. And when pastors stand up and say, the guy in the White House is not my president, and I I got to say, I'm guilty of saying that number of times, not just with the one that's there now or the one that was there the last term, but it, it, when we stand up and say that, we are undermining God's purpose for government. There is a purpose to God, government all around the world in place. And as as Christ followers, we need to make sure as pastors that we're teaching our people to pray for our leaders and not just beat them down. And and not just pray for the ones of the political party that we want to no. win 100%. And Jeremiah 29, and I uh, am working on a project talking more about this, but in Jeremiah 29, everyone knows Jeremiah 29, 11, but before you get to 29, 11, there are verses where Jeremiah says, hey, you guys, Israel, in captivity, under uh, a king who destroyed your home, destroyed your land, brought you into slavery, it says, pray for the city that you're in, because when it prospers, you prosper. Yeah. And then in 1 Timothy 2, it says, uh, Paul says, pray for uh, intercession and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. And he says, because God wants all people to be saved. So when all we do is pray for the ones that we vote for, and if they don't get in office, uh, and we've said this before, they don't get in office, we're doing a disservice by not praying for them. Right. We need to pray more and harder for the, the the crazy ones or the ones that we think are off or the ones we didn't vote for, that they do make God-honoring decisions, that they God sends God, Holy Spirit-filled people around them. It's one of the reasons that Joseph was in Egypt, one of the reasons that Daniel was in uh, Babylon, and God used those kingdoms and those people to impact those kingdoms uh, for his people's good. So we should be praying for them. When we, the ones we want get in office, pray for them, that they commit to the word of God, that they live godly lives, make godly decisions. When the ones we didn't want in office get in office, 
pray for them, that they make godly decisions, that God sends God-honoring people around them. And that, you know what, that they come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Um, We should continue to pray for them, Uh, not just when it's going good, but even when, you know, like you said, the ones we think may not be making great decisions are in office. Yeah, because we're, we've got to remember, we, you know, as believers, we may be registered as Democrat, Republican, Independent. We may be registered as something because that's what our government requires. But we are not any of those. We're not Democrat. We're not Republican. We're not Independent. We are part of a monarchy. And the King of Kings is going to come and rule. And we are part of that government. Yeah, we're part of that monarchy, and we're ambassadors of that monarchy. Our goal is not to represent the republic. It's fine if you vote Republican. It's fine if you show up at the rallies. It's fine if you vote Democrat and show up at the rallies. But when we do all that, we're showing up so that we can represent the kingdom of God. That's who we represent. That's who we're ambassadors for. That's the things that we try to put forward above any other political aspirations, it should all be for that. Uh, But definitely we need to pray for our government. Um, Our government's a mess. It is a mess. Plain plain and simple. It's a mess. And, and, you know, I, I hear Christians all the time say, you know, I don't think God could even help this nation out the way it is now. And God is at work in this nation, but the people of God have to allow him to work through us. Yes. And if <laughs> if we want God to work, we have to put some feet to his work. Exactly. We are his representative. We the only way people are going to see God is when they see us doing the work and the will of God in our uh, yeah. just showing up. You could pack billions into buildings every Sunday means absolutely nothing. If people of God are not seen out doing the will of God Monday through Saturday. Right. Exactly. And and, and that's that is the that is the problem in the church. That is the problem in our country right now. Back in the and I'm gonna I'm gonna get it back in the 50s. Church attendance, church um, attitudes, attitudes towards the church were a whole lot different than they are now. People showed respect towards one another. People showed respect. They showed God's love more than they do now. We have become such bitter people. And we have allowed that to creep into the church, creep into our families, to creep into our our circles. We have now isolated others because of bitterness. And that bitterness only comes from not following God, not showing God the respect that he deserves. We have a lot of people that call themselves Christians that that have no idea who God is. 
they're Christian by name and name alone. Yeah. And um, I talked a lot about this during the series I did uh, called As in the Days of Noah, The Return of Christ. There's going to be a lot of people that, for lack of another term, they're not going to be able to get on the bus. They're, they're, they're going to miss the bus. And um, it's going to be a, a, a wake up call for them as to why. Because yeah. they're not, they're not, they uh, sitting in the pews, showing up every Sunday doesn't make you a Christian. Um, and again, this is not a surprise to God. No, absolutely not. You it'll know, be a surprise to them. It'll be a surprise to them, but it's not a surprise to God. And 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 God, the whole time, God is reaching out and saying, "Come on, come on! I want you." He's given us every opportunity to serve Him. And to change the areas around us, to change the violence, to change the respect, to change everything. He is giving us every opportunity, and we are ignoring it. So, I'm sorry, I don't mean to preach. <laughs> no, no, that's okay. Um, I actually was going to say, let's go into crime in the cities, but I feel like we should save that one for last. Um, and let's just talk about the economic crisis, because was it four major banks now that have failed in as many yes. weeks i mean and who knows how many other ones are at the brink or on the radar right now yeah all right and i don't have any good comments about that to be honest with you it is something that is going to happen i will i will say this um for anyone who's thinking well i'm not going to go digital i'm not going to cashless i'm not going to go all this because it's the beginning of the mark of the beast it's not the mark of the beast and if you want to survive and live and eat you've got to do what they tell us to do there is no beast yet so it cannot be the mark of the beast so say say that again because i feel like <laughs> Just last week, I mean, every week, someone said, oh, we're living in that. So say that again. We we, we are not in the tribulation, period. Um, God promised us as believers, we will not be going through the tribulation. Didn't promise that we won't be going through the birth pains. <laughs> you know, he didn't promise us that we won't be going through the labor pain. But he he promised us that we will not be going through the wrath that he is going to pour out and in order for there to be a mark of the beast there has to be a beast and the antichrist has not been revealed the antichrist will not be revealed until god's people god's children god's bride jesus's bride is taken out of here that's when the antichrist will be revealed not before and i, I can prove that a number of places in the bible but that is what's going to happen. So we have to agree with, maybe agree is not the right word. We have to abide by the rules of the land until Jesus comes. Jesus tells us a number of places to occupy. Floyd pointed out in Jeremiah, you live here. Daniel points it out. Isaiah points it out. We are to abide and live and grow, marry and celebrate and have life 
while we are waiting for Jesus Christ to come. That means that we need to adapt some things. Not our principles, not our, 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 char our character. We don't adapt our, our stance on who Jesus is and who God is. We do have to adapt to some fundamental things that may take place within the next several months to year years before Jesus comes that we are going to have to do to survive. And I, I think people need to understand that every time you see some technological advancement, it it's it's not always a bad thing. It's a tool, it's a resource that could be used for good, could be used for bad. Um, I remember when they said, oh, the scanners that you scan your credit cards with, that's the mark of the beast because it's got barcodes of the mark of the beast. Everything is not the mark of the beast. However, comma, those things are just culture evolving to a place where when we see the mark of the beast and stuff like that happening, well, again, the church won't be here, but when you see those things happening, these are things that are being put in place that will allow it to happen. The reason they will be able to have a, a global economy and these other type of things is because that's the direction the world is moving. Um, it's not a bad thing uh, for to have digital currency. Um, I don't. I don't carry cash. I still have access to cash. Uh, I pay for stuff with my phone. Um, that's not a bad thing. And if anything, if anything, I think not only do I blame the pulpit, I blame the people that won't go back and look at the mistakes they made. All the people who are like, hey, the vaccine is the mark of the beast. And I'm 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 desperately waiting till we're well over seven years after that. So hopefully those people can go back and say, I was wrong. Maybe I need to dig into the Bible a little bit more. But most of those people making those claims, they don't. But I hope those people go back and realize, hey, all these things that you're saying, someone else just messaged me and like, yeah, I saw the video that's out there that says that King Charles is the Antichrist. And I'm like, I, 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 we already talked about this. He didn't come to power because of some 10 nation confederacy. He came to power because his mom died. Totally different thing. That doesn't make him. The, and they were like, but his his shield has this on it and his things have this on it. I was like, that means he's, you know, a bad person. I don't know. But it doesn't make him, you know, the Antichrist because it's, you were reading into things right. that are totally not in line with what the scripture says. And his shield and all of these things that have been that they're saying is on his shield were on the queen's shield. They were on the previous. So, I mean, we have to be very careful. And, and you know, as Christians, that's the other thing that I hear a lot is that I'm so afraid during this time. I'm, I'm fearful. We cannot be fearful. This is the most exciting time in history to be alive as a believer. We are literally seeing prophecy being fulfilled before our eyes. We are actually seeing the book that we have stood upon, the book that we read, the book that we, we learn from. The God that we talk about is literally doing things in front of our faces that should excite us 
because we're going home soon. And, And instead of being fearful, be excited about it. And I, I, again, blame the pulpit. I blame a lot of people that are causing fear too, but the church is made. I was just listening to a podcast where people were talking about that era, not a podcast, it was a radio show, uh, that era. And I guess the seventies when, you know, the, not how, is it Hal Lindsey? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And, and left behind series. Yeah. And left behind all these things came out. But they made the rapture a thing that was fearful, where people were afraid uh, because anytime they, you know, suddenly found themselves alone, they were like, wait, did the rapture happen? Did I miss it? And that's not what it's supposed to be. Paul talks about it in detail in Second Thessalonians. He ends the first, uh, first, or excuse me, First Thessalonians and Second Thessalonians, but he ends First Thessalonians and he talks about the return of Christ in every chapter. And he ends it by saying, don't you remember, I used to tell you these things when I was with you. He was only with him for three weeks, yeah. uh, according to the book of Acts. So according to that, that should let us know the return of Christ should be taught regularly. Paul was only there for three weeks, and he thought that talking about the return of Christ should be incorporated into Christianity 101. It wasn't something he got to like years later or for the, the you know, the, the more mature Christians. It was what he taught early on and he said sorry my puppy's going crazy that's okay and he said he ends up saying don't you remember i used to tell you these things when i was with you and therefore encourage one another with these words yeah these aren't words to scare you these aren't words to uh make you fearful these are words to encourage you. The return of Christ should be the most encouraged. Like Mark said, it's the thing that we've been reading about and waiting for, and we're seeing it unfold before our eyes. That doesn't mean it's going to happen tomorrow, next week, or even in our lifetime, but yeah. it does mean we're seeing the biblical pieces fall into place that will allow it to happen, and we should be encouraged and excited by that. Yeah, And remember, when you're reading, if you want to read about the rapture, First Thessalonians is great. Second, remember that First Thessalonians is all about rapture. Second Thessalonians is all about the second coming. Two different events, two different things. So keep that in mind that they're not talking about the same thing all the way through First Thessalonians and Second Thessalonians. First Thessalonians deals with the raptures. Second Thessalonians deal with when we come back with the Lord in the second coming. First Thessalonians, we go up with the Lord. Second Thessalonians, we come back with the Lord. So, yeah. So now we're gonna. Oops, I closed my closed my notes. Now we're gonna move on to uh, this final topic: How do Christians respond to just the increase in crime that's occurring uh, in the cities? And I think we mentioned this before. I know I've been talking to people about it like crazy because. I feel like every news or radio show, and I don't watch a lot of the news, uh, maybe once every couple of weeks, but every news headline that I see come across uh, my tablet or my phone or every radio uh, news break, hey, this is what's going on, has something to do with either crime, and it doesn't matter whether you live in a Democratic city or a Republican-based city, uh, pretty much every city at least once or twice a week, there will be a report of 
someone was shot, killed, robbed, or some business was, you know, ravaged, or some family uh, was attacked over and over again. And uh, again, this is not a Democratic problem or a Republican problem, but it does bother me. When people see that happening in their cities, and we talked about this during the last podcast, uh, and yet the the municipalities that have allowed laws to make this continue to happen and people vote those same people back into office. That makes that to me, that's like saying, hey, here's the doctor that botched my heart surgery, botched my kidney surgery. Now I need brain surgery. And I'm like, I'm going back to him. That makes no sense. It it, it just doesn't. I, I don't understand it. Uh, I would think that if you didn't change doctors, I definitely want to change hospitals because they continue to allow this guy to, 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 or guy or girl, whoever to work. But um, I have a say, and I can say, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going to change. But yet, uh, those the only change that people make is they're like, hey, I'm going to move out of the city because it's no longer safe. But then I'm going to vote for those same people to stay in office, to make the same decisions that forced me to either lose my business, have my business get looted, riots to take place, or me to have to leave my home. Doesn't make sense. I agree. I agree. And, and you know, again, I, it seems like I keep repeating myself today. But the violence doesn't surprise God. It doesn't catch him off guard. Um, and should a Christian protect themselves? Absolutely, we should protect ourselves. Absolutely, we should stand up against the violence. And I think that's part of the issue, too. Is that if we see somebody being hurt, someone being harmed, and we just walk right past them, we're not doing any any good. I don't want to get involved. I don't want to protect myself. I or I don't want to have to protect myself there. I'm not going to do that. We are just as bad as whoever is doing the violence because we're not standing up for anybody. Yeah, we have a responsibility to help. I mean, and that's I, I feel like that's Christianity 101. Uh, love your neighbor because uh, Jesus talks about when he's explaining who's your neighbor, uh, he talks about that it was not okay for those people who walked by and saw that person in need and left them there. Um, that's not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to intervene. If all you do is call 911, I mean, obviously you want to keep yourself safe, but call 911, do what you can to help other people, but also, um, just speak out against the crime. I feel yeah. like not enough people are saying what's happening in our cities is wrong. Right. I, I don't hear people complaining about the violence in our cities. They make it political, but it doesn't matter. Which, there aren't people hunting down people in certain parties and robbing and killing them. It doesn't matter what part. They don't ask what party you are before they rob you. They just rob you. They just steal your car. They break into your home. Uh, and I feel like not enough people are speaking out about this and saying something needs to be done and something does need to be done. It needs and, to stop, but it won't stop until we speak up and say or do something about it. Right. And, and that's the problem. We can talk about it all we want. We can say anything we want about it, good or bad. We can 
talk about it continuously until we make it different. We step out and say, I don't care if it harms me. I don't care if it, if I'm the only one standing up for it, I'm going to stand up for it. That's what the Bible calls us to do. The Bible calls us to make a difference in this world, make disciples. We can't make disciples if we're not showing people how to live. Yeah, and I feel like we're not we're not showing people how to live. We as the the church have turned inward. Yeah. Uh, where we're like, hey, it's just us here and what can we do for us or how do we get more people to join us, which yeah. is not a biblical mandate or a biblical <laughs> pattern that's seen. Uh, what we see is people saying, hey, we're doing so much uh, or we're doing so well because of the blessings that God has poured upon us that we're going to go out and tell other people. We're going to go out and share it with other people. We're going to go out when you see throughout the book of Acts, uh, the big, I forget the term, but where people are just uh, leaving Jerusalem and, and going to other places, they don't just go and hide out. They're being persecuted, but they go. And in those other places, they do the same thing they did in Jerusalem. Yes. They share the gospel. They evangelize. They tell people that there's a God who loves them and cares about them and how they can be a part, which is how the gospel exploded around the world. Um, right. And I point out, as you said, God is not uh, suddenly surprised that there's crime in all these cities. He is probably, I shouldn't say surprised because he knows all things, but definitely saddened to see that the church is not doing anything about it. And we're not the police, but we do have a voice and we do have the capability to go into certain communities where we live, share and show the love of Christ uh, and let people know that there is a God who loves them and that they don't have to live this way. These communities don't have to be ravaged by violence. Exactly. Exactly. And and, you know, I'm not saying come a vigilante, because that's not right either. I'm saying to stand up and treat your neighbor like you would want to be treated. If I was be, being beaten up and, and, and hollering out for help, and everybody's walking by looking at me going, oh, that poor guy, then I'd be feeling pretty awful, you know? Yeah, no one, everyone has different opinions on it. Until they're that person, then they all have the same opinion. Somebody should have helped me. Yeah. And, and why not? You know, I asked the question a couple weeks ago in, in, in my sermon. I said, we were talking about suffering. And I said, why suffering? Why, why me? Why do I have to go through this? Why do I have to do that? And probably the better question for the Christian is why not me? Why not me? Why, why should I be exempt from going through, you know, X, Y, or Z? Because we are all in this together. Both non, where's the quote? Quote in, in, in I think it's, it's Ecclesiastes. I quoted it this week and I can't remember, but it says that, or no, Jesus said this. Jesus said this in, in, in Matt. My father, has the sun to shine on the righteous and the unrighteous and the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. It happens to all of us. We're all in this together. It's not a, it's not a, a black and white issue. It's not a, a 
Christian, non-Christian, Muslim, non-Muslim, whatever it is, is not any of that. We're all in this together. It's a humanity thing. And it just is, it just is doing the right thing, period. And that's what, what we as a church forgot. We forget to do the right thing. We preach about the right thing, but we forget to do the right thing. And well, some of the congregations uh, preach the wrong thing well, as yeah. the right thing to do, uh, right. which is a lot of the problems. Um, yeah. I think it's going to be actually quicker if I just order coffee cups that say I blame the pulpit because you can have those in a in a week or two <laughs> rather than trying to have someone design it. I, I'm, I'm, I mean, I hate to say it, but that I don't think we understand the responsibility. No, let me rephrase that. The impact that the body of Christ can have if we actually do the things that God has called us to do. Uh, and they're not extravagant things. They're not costly things. It's just sharing and showing the love of Christ to people in our circles of influence um, with whatever limited resources we have. Uh, yeah. That can make a huge difference in other people's world. It can change their lives. It can make someone who's thinking about harming themselves themselves or others make a different decision which can save lives and and uh change communities uh i and and this is where we as the church we've gotta we've gotta just get back to like christianity 101 yeah. sharing the gospel letting people know that there is a god who loves them uh and i talked to so many pastors who are like well i gotta do a six week or eight week, you know, discipling class. No, you don't just tell people to go in their job, in their schools, in their whatever, respectfully don't pe beat people over the head. And if there's a rule that says you can't talk about it here, don't talk about it there. Talk about it when you leave the workplace, yes. as you're walking to the car, just say, you know what? I had a really bad week, but man, pastor preached something that reminded me how much God loves me. Yeah. And I mean, that's it. And, and, and that's the whole thing. I mean, it, it, is, it is understanding that God can use a messed up, flawed individual like me to do his will. That is what we need to understand. God can use us. We have to be willing. He's not going to do it forcefully he's not going to make us do anything that he wants done he is going to give us the opportunity to do it it's up to us to make the decision to do it yeah so our, our summary of our response to how do christians respond to just government and the bank failures and the immigration crisis and the crime in cities is to be the church uh, and of course, pray, pray about everything and all things in every situation. Uh, don't be fearful of these things happening. Um, I had a conversation with someone because we were talking about the end times. And I was like, I, I hope we understand that we could see a civil war in the United, not saying this is what's going to happen, civil war in the United States or this nation come and like fail or be overtaken by China or Russia. That doesn't mean we're in the end times. Um, or doesn't mean that we're in the the you know tribulation, tribulation. rapture. All of those things could happen uh, because nations rise, nations fall. This is why it's good for pastors to preach on the Old Testament. Um, nations rise, nations fall. 
things happen. Uh, but even when those things happen, we should still trust and put our faith. This is why we don't put our faith in a political leader or a political system because they come and they go. We put our faith in the finished work of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And we remember, as Mark said, that we are we are part of a monarchy. We're part of a kingdom. We are ambassadors of Christ. And if we go out and do what God has called us to do, uh, we can have a proper response to all of these th things that we see happening. And we don't have to be as fearful of them because, as Mark said, our, 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 our God knew all of these things were going to happen. And he knows the things that are coming, even though we haven't seen those yet. Yes. Yeah, and, and the biggest thing, if I could leave one word, um, on this podcast, it's surrender. Not surrender, throwing up the white flag saying, I give up, but surrendering our will to God's will. That's what we need to do. That's where it all starts. We can't, we can't do anything else as believers if we are not totally 100% surrendered to the will of the Father. And if we're not going to surrender to him, then stop praying, you know, your will be done on earth as it is. Exactly. In if we're not willing to surrender to whatever his will is, stop praying that. Uh, so yeah. I'm going to ask Mark to... Uh, Pray for us and pray for our nation. And specifically, because uh, I, I think it was my phone goes off with news articles. And I think it was this past week I saw yet another mass shooting, several people killed in some city. Yeah. And it's just continued happening. So pray for us, pray for our nation, pray for those families that are hurting because of loss of loved ones. And we will be done. Father, thank you once again for opportunity to just talk about who you are and what you expect from us. Father, help us to be um, representatives for you that shows your love. Help us to be worthy representatives. and We can only be worthy because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. But we thank you for that. We ask, Lord, that you would be with our country. We ask that you would be with our leaders and the president and vice president and Congress and, and Senate, Lord, that you would just guide them and direct them. And, and Lord, um, just give them your power, your wisdom. Um, doesn't mean they will take it. It doesn't mean they will abide by it. We need to know that you are giving it to them. And we, we thank you for that, Lord. We ask that you be with our governors and our mayors and our town councilmen and, and everyone else in authority above us, Lord, that you would just uh, be with each and every one of them and guide them. Mm -hmm. Most importantly, be with us as we sit underneath them mm -hmm. to always lift them up in prayer, always um, give them um, respect that they deserve, Lord. And that you would just teach us to be um, praying people, be people who will make a difference on our knees first and then on our feet. 
So we ask that you would just put that into our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.